0: delay
1: so you hey everyone thanks for joining us for another episode of the fox 12 weather podcast today is thursday september 7th and this is episode 68 i'm meteorologist jeff forgeron joined by chief meteorologist mark nelson hey mark hey how you doing today's the the guys day only huh just the boys again yeah i think this is two weeks straight um i'm doing great mark it was uh you know, Andy's been out of town this week, so I've been covering most of Good Day Oregon by myself, but, you know, the weather's been really pretty darn nice here in the Northwest. Uh, it's good team out. player.
0: Very good, Jeff. You're taking care of things in the mornings. So that's good. And then Drew comes but, in and helps
1: toward the end, so.
0: Wait a minute. Didn't you say you have next week off?
1: Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Something about, I'm going to be at the beach. Well, I've got some family coming into town, so. Oh, okay. You know, gonna, uh, my sister's coming up. We haven't. Um, She's never seen the Oregon coast. So we're going to take her out there for the first oh. time. Yeah. Weather looks good. There's your teaser right there, right? I know. I know. We're, we're pretty excited about that. Kind of enjoying the last bits of summer here in the Northwest or meteorological mm-hmm. ball. However you look at it, right? Um, oh,
0: don't start that one.
1: Nope. I know. I know.
0: How's everything on your end? Uh, everything is good. Everything's fine. Uh, we're folks. We know we had last week. We had Brian and Ann on, which is fine. Had uh, sound quality issues, let's just say, and we think we're, we think we've got a handle on things. And Jeff, your voice sounds amazing. You've got a brand new mic, don't you?
1: That's right. Uh, the station hooked it up with a professional mic. I'm going to retire this one over here. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was a sad little mic,
1: but yeah. you know, yeah, you
0: know, we move up into the big uh, playing with the big boys now, so. So yeah, we, we got lots Make to talk it. about. I am excited. We have what, what, what we've got some current weather, and then this is our big El Nino episode.
1: Yeah, so yeah. I think the the plan here is we're going to talk about the current weather pattern. Not a lot to talk about locally. Um, we'll kind of go into uh, the tropics. I think it's important that we t- touch on Hurricane Lee, that's quickly strengthening in the Atlantic and might threaten the northeastern United States. We'll touch on that. But yeah, then we mainly focus on El Nino. El Nino is Probably going to impact our weather some way, somehow uh, during the Mm -hmm. winter time and for the good or for the bad. Mark, you're going to talk about all the details, what El Nino is. We'll break that down and then what El Nino has done in the past uh, to our weather here in the Northwest.
0: I've got like 18 graphics ready to go.
1: This is a Weather Geeks dream coming up. So, and by the way, I encourage everybody totally cool. If you just listen to our podcast in the car or in the gym, um, but if you're, you know, ever at home near a computer or even on your phone, you can pull up, uh, the, the video version of our podcast. We have that on YouTube. You could just find uh, KPTV on YouTube and you can navigate through that and find it, but you can just go to our website, kptv.com weather. Then you can see the podcast uh, tab at the top. Click that and you'll find the video form or the SoundCloud form of our podcast. So either way. But the benefit to watching the video form, uh, Mark, is we show all these cool (laughs) graphics. And I've been getting some really good feedback. Like people really dig it. I think they like the fact that we can kind of branch outside of like our two to three minute weather hits on TV and really break down the nitty gritty uh, forecast and the details.
0: Yeah, I mean, we just have, uh, if, you, if you have the graphics to look at. I admit I only listen to it. I'm listening to it on the way to or from work because I have a long commute. But um, yeah, this is probably one podcast you want to watch as well. Or you yeah, could definitely listen, then watch because we like our numbers to be bumped up.
1: There you go. Yeah. You know, in most Please cases, watch. you can just listen. But Mark has like what he said 17 to 19 graph. I don't know what you just said. A lot of graphics that you're going to show. They're so. coming up. They're yeah, coming up. He's teed them yeah. up. So let's talk locally about our weather. The weather has been amazing since well we had that sober right? last week we had the soaking rain around thursday um some parts of the metro area picked up what was it like a half inch or more of rain um, yeah i
0: think aurora picked up seven tenths in one hour something like that it was it was some big downpours with those thunderstorms
1: yeah yeah, well, yeah we also had the thunderstorms uh after and um had some great photos come in uh, from the basically from Salem, central Willamette Valley got more of the thunderstorm action. We had some amazing rainbows with lightning and all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, we saw saw the light show from Portland Saturday evening. We didn't get any downpours, but we saw quite a bit of lightning to our south. So that was interesting. And then um, things have kind of mellowed out. So what I'm going to do here, Mark, is I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to bring up the Upper level weather pattern. So let's see here. We're still. By the
0: way, I love I love that while you're doing that. I love the uh, background for you. You've got some baseball, but you've also got the uh, hurricane there. What is that hurricane behind you? Do you remember?
1: Hurricane Ava. It was. Uh, I think oh. it was. I think it was a fishy storm. It was like fish food. It was just what I mean by that. Fish churner. Yeah, it just kind of developed in the Eastern Pacific Ocean. But it was. You know what's funny is um, I got that photo from one of my professors. So I was graduating from San Jose State. And mm-hmm. we have all San Jose State has all these old pictures, weather pictures around um, the department. And I was like, mm-hmm. I want to bring something home. I want to take something with me. It's been such a special time. And Dr. Chow was like, here, let me grab something for you. And just grabbed uh, this wow. old picture of Hurricane Ava. Yeah. Let me see if I can turn my computer it's a, a professor. Yeah, I see it there. Yeah, it's, it's an old, you know what? I'll pull it down one of these days and I'll read the back. The back has some info on it, but it was from one of the older satellite images or satellites that was, um, I don't know if it was a stationary satellite or what, but hmm. that's that's not important. So let me go ahead and bring up uh, this screen here. We're going to talk about our local weather. Uh, mm-hmm. Here we go. It's going to take you to an upper level weather pattern. So this is looking at 250 millibar winds. So this is wind speeds way up in the atmosphere uh, where the jet stream is. And,
0: oh, there we go. That's beautiful.
1: Okay. So I'm going to put my cursor right along the West coast here. So if you look closely, you can see Washington, Oregon, California. So right. obviously that's kind of our focus and I'm just going to push this into time. And what you'll notice is the jet stream kind of focuses over Northern California. And there's also the jet up to our North kind of affecting British Columbia and, you know, Western Canada, Alaska, but it doesn't we look point like now. Out- Go ahead, and We Mark. should
0: point out that 250 millibars is maybe about 30, 35,000 feet, if I'm correct. There you go. Yeah, somewhere in there. So uh, this is, and when we say jet stream, that's because this is where the jets, when you're flying and they reach that cruising altitude, it's up about here.
1: Yeah, they like to cruise yeah. on that that windier uh, streak so they can you know, save gas. Right. Um, so really, we don't see the jet stream impacting the Northwest like at all for the next week or so. We might see... Here, what time frame is this i just want to double check the, yeah i was uh, looking Jeff. i'm like
0: what time are we looking at yeah, that must be next week
1: yeah this is this looks like it's uh next next monday or so yeah so that's right so around monday sunday night into monday there's going to be a system kind of brushing the northwest it'll bring a bit more cloud cover maybe a few light showers to the coastline um and a slight cool down but everything kind of stays to our north and we're kind of in that goldilocks zone mark where we Really don't yeah. see a big fluctuation in temperatures. I won't go too far into detail, but uh, Mark, can you still see my screen? Uh, yeah, the, I can na- see it. I can. I the I national blend models. Like, yeah. I, uh, or is it still no, on I the still, upper level?
0: We're still on the upper level. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, what I was going to show you was the fact that um, we're only expecting highs to be kind of bouncing back and forth between the 70s and 80s in our western valleys. I'm going to go right. ahead and stop sharing because that's that's something yeah, I, I don't can see the 90s. Yeah. yeah. Th- that's the probably no nineties coming up. No extreme heat, no significant rain. It's just kind of like this Goldilocks zone that we're gonna be in for the next week or maybe even longer.
0: And here's a biggie. Last year at this time, we remember we had those planned power shutoffs because we had a gusty east wind pattern and we had not had really any rain. We don't see that gusty east wind pattern in the next week. So as long as we hold that off until we get rain, that's good.
1: Yeah. Problem is, is we just don't see a lot of rain coming. So um true. While we aren't looking at like extreme fire danger or anything, we are still in fire season and something were to break out, it'd be tough to put it out at this time. Um, And that Camp Creek fire is still kind of smoldering up uh, the Cascade foothills. You were talking about that yesterday.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit of smoke. A lot of us in the East Metro could smell smoke. Uh, Air quality went up in spots to unhealthy for some briefly. Then it was gone in the afternoon. So if you've got a fire going in a canyon or higher reaches of, of a watershed, uh, totally clear nights in the fall, long nights, cool nights. And then that, uh, cool air drifts down the Valley. I mean, that happens all the time, but if there's smoke in there, then, um, you're going to get a little drift of smoke. So anytime in the next week or so, we have clear skies at night, East Metro, Toronto, Gresham, Camas, even East, um, Vancouver, you might smell smoke or air quality might briefly go down in the mornings, but w- yeah, the fire has not taken off and that's not going to happen unless we have a weather change.
1: And, and just briefly going to mention before we jump into the tropics here, Mark, um, mm-hmm. We're recording this Thursday morning. I was in there looking at the air quality pretty closely. No problems out there. Even up uh, where you were just describing, near the Sandy River, out toward Troutdale, up into the Cascades, I, I saw great air quality. So hopefully, it's not producing a lot the, of smoke. I think
0: because we had clouds, so we didn't have the cooling to the Exactly. Tonight. Everything exactly. didn't drift
1: down. Yeah, yeah. Things those fires tend to get more active when it's sunny, when the air is more unstable. And that could right. potentially happen Friday and Saturday and even Sunday with more sunshine and warmer weather. So... Um, let's jump into the tropics real quick. We have yesterday we were tracking uh, Tropical Storm Lee. It was upgraded to a hurricane this morning, or I think between last night yesterday. and this morning. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yesterday. Uh, and while I was on Good Day Oregon, Mark, it was upgraded to a category two hurricane. So it's on the verge oh. of becoming a major hurricane. And when you look at this graphic here, this is the National Hurricane Center's cone of uncertainty or the forecast track. And when it says M on the graphic, it means major hurricane. And I think what I was seeing was around Friday night or Saturday morning. Um, this was expected to become a major Cat Four, Cat Five hurricane. Um, it's moving over very warm water in the Atlantic Ocean, and there's mm-hmm. when the, when the cone of uncertainty is closer together when it's narrow like that. It means that there's um, high confidence of where this thing is going to go. But around early next week, Monday and Tuesday, notice the cone gets really wide north of puerto rico and the dominican republic so right that's around when things get a little bit more uncertain um but most computer models take it up to the north it looks like it's going to take a right turn might brush across bermuda and then um i'm going to go ahead and stop sharing this so we can keep describing it mark it looks like late next week it's going to be moving like well to the east of the eastern seaboard up until it gets closer to new england and that's when we might start to see some action. It might m- make a landfall along coastal New England, or it might make a landfall in um, in Nova Scotia. Those, those are possibilities right now. Um, but go ahead.
0: Yeah, it looks like it's going. I think the big picture is, like you said, it's going to probably avoid most of the Caribbean. Could even avoid the Turks and Caicos. I mean, Bermuda's. You know, it's a little speck. It would have to hit right on, but it's close by there. But uh, yeah, so we may avoid an eastern USA hurricane possibly we'll We'll see see. yeah when when systems get to like
1: when they get to like category three to five it's always worth watching i think we have we currently have like a cat four or cat five in the eastern pacific ocean as well yeah hova
0: it's huge fish churner but uh, not affecting land but a massive hurricane in the uh, eastern pacific yeah
1: fish churner so i say fish food you say fish churner uh basically meaning it's not going to impact land it's probably going to stay right over the ocean Um, basically
0: a whale breaches and says what the heck is going on up here and then
1: goes back (laughs) down again there you go. Yeah. And it doesn't so, it's 20 feet under. So bottom line, enjoy the pleasant weather. The air quality has been good. We're going to have highs in the 70s and 80s. Coast will mainly be in the 60s for the foreseeable future. Central and Eastern Oregon kind of bouncing back and forth, 70s and 80s. Um, isolated thunderstorms possible this afternoon, Northeast Oregon. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from that, we're looking pretty good. So let's talk about El Nino, Mark. I know you were prepping for this for days oh, and days. Yeah.
0: Here we go. There we go. We're going to be sharing. Yeah. So El Nino became obvious that there is probably going to be an El Nino during this coming winter, probably in the spring. It started and now it's happening. I mean, it's already here. All right. So what is El Nino? I got I got these graphics just to show you. We've used these on TV, but um, it's a warming of the tropical Pacific. And Jeff, of course, cut me off at any point if I've missed something or you have something to add.
1: I'll just kind of like pepper in my thoughts here and there.
0: But not yet. I'm not done yet. No, just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so warmer ocean, it affects the, uh, weather just all around the globe. And this actually, this image we use on TV here, that just shows warmer than average, um, sea surface temps. Let me jump to another one. Wait, um, leave that up for a sec. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So w-
1: what Mark means by that is if a temperature, w- like if the sea surface temperatures were, where they should be, where they like normally are, you wouldn't mm-hmm. see as many colors on the map. So up you'd to the see north
0: none point. on this map. Yeah. If everything was perfectly normal for its latitude and time of the year. There would be no color on this map, but this mm-hmm. has a warm anomaly. So, and yeah, there you go. Here's another per- version. Okay. So this one just shows the anomaly all around the globe, and uh, and you can see if you look. Let's go. Can you? It zooms in right here. Yeah, I like that. See yeah, here, yeah, yeah. Along the equator, you can see much warmer than normal from Peru all the way towards uh, kind of towards between Tahiti and I don't know what those other little dots are. It's- okay, uh, but and look at the North Pacific too. Holy cow! The entire North Pacific yeah. is warmer than average. All right. So next one. Wait. Let me zoom let's out. stay on that
1: for a sec. Mm-hmm. So we look at the sea surface temperatures in the tropical Pacific Ocean, determining whether we have El Nino or La Nina developing. If an right. El Nino is developing, that means that the eastern side of the tropical Pacific is seeing warmer sea surface temperatures than normal. If a La Nina were developing, like the last three years,
0: mm-hmm. then we would
1: have warmer than normal sea surface temperatures on the opposite side of the Pacific right. Ocean, west side.
0: Right. And the last three winters, like you said, have been La Nina. Um, and your first thought is, okay, wait, why do I care what's going on near Tahiti or Peru? But the deal is, if you have such a massive warm water, it affects the weather all around the globe. There are all sorts of kind of known effects. There are some maybe unknown effects. Or, you know, each, every time there's an El Nino, something changes. So uh, all models, here's the deal. It's that way now. All models are forecasting either moderate or strong events. So let's see. I've got uh, right here. Do you have that? Okay. There you go. Oh, I get it all, Jeff. Got it all. So this is just a, this is actually a few weeks old, but this is, um, there's an area in the middle. Actually, I think I have a better one. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Here it is. This one. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you're like, wow, that's a lot of numbers. So, uh, there's an area, see the lower left down here. Yeah. So that warm area that we saw, there's, um, there's Mexico, Peru right there. And then this. they, they call these different, uh, regions in the tropical Pacific Nino regions. There's a one and two, there's a three, there's a 3.4 and a four. We, we often concentrate on that middle region, 3.4, our um, meteorologists do. And right now it's up to a one point plus 1.6. And the threshold for an El Nino in that region is a 0.5. So 0.5 to one is a weak El Nino. A one to a 1.5 is a moderate El Nino. And a 1.5 or higher is a strong El Nino. So look at that, we crossed 1.6. So in this last week, we crossed to 1.6, which is a strong El Nino. So uh, that's the, that's the real-time conditions, um, that something called the Oceanic Nino Index, which averages over uh, a longer period of time. That's still in the moderate category. But if we just go to this graphic here, this shows from several different models. Um, and I zoomed in too far. Down at the bottom, can you see that? Probably hard to see. Yep. These are three-month periods, uh, July, July, August, September, August, September, October, September, October, November. So this is what's already occurred here on the left side. We're at about a 1, 1.1. Most models, the average of the dynamic models is, is bringing it up to a strong El Nino in that region all the way through the winter. Even the weaker models have a moderate El Nino. So that's why I say it's pretty obvious that we're going to have a um, – I'm trying to do – Trying to find my other graphics. Let me get out of here. Um, it's pretty obvious we're going to have a strong or moderate El Nino. Let me back out of here.
1: There you back go. Back out.
0: Oh, there's more buttons there. Huh. What do you know? Um, and then, so let me hit my other graphic here. What do we there see we in these winters? All right. So um, and, and let me point out, when we talk about all this, it's not as if El Nino is the only factor with our weather, right? In the winter. There's other things going on. Warming of the oceans, you know, other stuff happens, but this is just one thing we tend to see in El Nino winters. We tend to see more high pressure up in in Western Canada more often in the upper atmosphere. So the jet stream often, we get more splittiness, I've noticed in El Nino winters. There's more splitting of the jet stream. The southern part of the jet tends to be stronger in these winters heading into California. Jeff, you've been in California. Is that what people down there, do they kind of think, ooh, El Nino, sometimes that's a wet winter, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, they think. El Nino means rain in Southern California is what they yeah. think, which obviously is not totally true. True. But
0: um, so we tend to see more of that splitting.
1: Wait, um, let's, so you, let's go oh, back. To I, can back anyway. yeah, I can go yeah, back. I can go back let's yeah. talk. Yeah. Let's <laughs> talk about why the theories or you know. Uh, go ahead. Re- yeah. the, I think the main reason why we see an activation of that southerly jet uh, during an El Nino event is when the water warms up in the Eastern Pacific Ocean and the Tropical Pacific Ocean, it injects mm-hmm. a lot of energy into the atmosphere, right? Or yeah. heat into the atmosphere, and that right. tends to activate that southerly jet as opposed to um, a jet farther to the north or over the Western uh, Pacific Ocean. And right. so that activation, you know, the jet stream tends to be a main driver of storm systems and um, precipitation, and so that often tends to bring more active weather patterns to Southern California and much of the Southern United States. In fact, I've heard it, um, you know, innuendos or not necessarily that, but like anecdotally Ooh,
0: innuendos. That sounds spicy. Jeff. A-
1: anecdotally people, <laughs> uh, meteorologists in the Southern U S and the Southeast U S are saying this could be a active, you know, severe weather season in terms of the winter, sure. uh, maybe down in Florida and things like that. So, um, the Southern half of the U S tends to get more active weather in El Nino events versus the northern half and mark you you and i were talking on the way uh before we started this podcast you said that you were going to compare some previous years right um, i've got some I'm, coming up maybe here i'm now. getting ahead of myself though
0: no, that's okay uh, so yeah so the general pattern uh is drier and warmer than normal across the northwestern usa or over into the plains and then wetter than normal across california but big message here most el ninos follow that pattern but not all um, so yeah some years Here's Actually, here's one right here. Let me go back to this graphic. Uh, Big El Nino years, when you have a really strong El Nino, there have been years where that southern jet just comes all the way up into the Pacific Northwest, and we get a really mild, wet winter. This did happen in um, 2015. Do I have that graphic? I think I have a 2015. Jeff, i got a graphic for everything. A little pineapple express, maybe? December 2015, that was a strong El Nino year. In that month, look how much it rained. 30, 35 inches of rain in one month in the coast range. 22 one inches month. in some 20 at a Wow, that's impressive. I think that was downtown Portland's greatest rainfall or was it the, I think the airport had 15 inches of rain that month. Lots of flooding, lots of mudslides. So that we can get that southern stream to come all the way up north and then we, you know, we have big issues with flooding or, or whatnot. So that can be a problem. Whoops, let me back out of here. Um, so again, uh, that just means there's, there's a good chance we have a mild winter ahead. Like when we look back at this coming winter, I bet you it's going to be warmer than normal. All right. But what but, about the farmer's almanac? Oh, stop. Just stop. What does the farmer's almanac say this it's,
1: year? I think it was saying that we're going to have this big snowy winter or something like oh, that. Oh,
0: geez. Yeah. Well, they don't know and I'm joking, about. of
1: course. I You never want to take <laughs> your uh, the farmer's almanac seriously. Um, and if you're a betting man, Mark, you're probably leaning toward the opposite, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I would bet towards milder and drier than normal. But biggie, here's a big one, folks. But that means we can still get brief snow or ice storm events uh, during a mild winter. I, the one that really sticks out, the the huge El Nino in 97, 98, the whole winter was mild. Lots of, you know, instead of rainy days at like with a high of 45 or 48 in Portland, we had lots of rainy days with highs 51, 53 degrees instead, you know, just a bit warmer. But in that winter, there was a three-day stretch where Arctic air got pulled down through the gorge. We had a huge snow, and mostly snow, not so much ice. No, there was ice in that one. But January of 98, big snow and ice storm. I remember sitting at the Troutdale truck stop for two different days doing coverage. When it, That was when I was working at COIN. And then I remember shoveling snow as sunshine or partly cloudy skies and like 53-degree weather returned on the south wind. The snow gets really heavy, by the way, when that happens. But um, then we were right back into the mild stuff and nothing happened the rest of the winter. So something can still, you know, make it through you know, when we have these types of winters. Um,
1: just to kind of ahead. branch off of what you're saying, if we have a lot more days in the 50s, low 60s, rainy, you know, things like that, um, that means higher snow levels. And that would mean right. a suffering snowpack. Second. Oh, yeah, yep. I've
0: got that one coming up, too. Hmm. Uh, just, I know this is a spreadsheet. We don't normally show you a spreadsheet. I do have a spreadsheet because, you know, I like to have a spreadsheet for everything, right? And yeah, I know you can't see this that well. The numbers are small, but uh, the last strong El Nino we had was in 2015-2016. That year, we had one inch of snow in downtown Portland, one inch at the airport. We had a strong El Nino in 09, 2009-2010. We had three inches downtown, two and a half inches at the airport, as I recall. That we had a big cold spell in January. uh, I'm sorry, in December of 2009. But I don't think we had much snow with that. The snow came in a separate little event, as I recall. We go to a strong El Nino before that, 97, 98. Again, 8.7 inches of snow at the airport because we had that one event. The rest Mm. of the winter, nothing happened. And then you see the other highlighted strong El Ninos 91, 92. That was my first year forecasting out of college here in Portland. And uh, it was just such a boring winter. Nothing happened. And spring just kind of started in late February. 87, 88, strong El Nino. Uh, when, When did that snow fall? Was that, I don't remember what, I just remember not much happening that winter but somehow we got three and a half inches of snow 8283 very warm and wet no snow so that just gives you some ideas of what we might see now um let me see I think I got one more here nope let's not do that one ah here we go let's do some modeling this is the um, NMME which is like a compilation of models this is December, January, February precipitation. Above average would be green. Below average would be the darker colors. I'm sorry, the, the reddish colors, orange and red. And what sticks out there for December, January, February? Dry. Yeah, drier than normal. That's that's This is modeling forecast. This is not what has occurred in the past. Here is, oh, that's the same thing. Oh, no, the, yeah, December, January, February. That one's hard to see. Let's get that can one. Can you go
1: back to the other one really quick? I sure can. We we're kind of focusing on the northwest there. But no. check out California. Check out California and check out Florida in southern Georgia. Like yeah. Southeast.
0: There's that Southern Jet. So wetter than normal California, wetter the normal across the Southeast. Yeah. There. That's a compilation of several different models. I don't know if that includes the Euro. I folks. Have... This
1: is not that's not like necessarily going to happen, but the fact that it's leaning that way is El Nino esque.
0: And here's another thing. We say, yeah, El Nino affects our weather in the winter. This is a current sea surface temperature anomaly. Look at that big blob of yeah. warmer than normal water. I mean, that's ten degrees Fahrenheit above average sitting out there. So, how does that affect us this winter? Yeah. Who knows? We will see. But um, in some El Nino winters, it's been cooler, a little cooler than average off the coastline. So, you hmm. know, we don't know how those effects will play out, either low in the atmosphere or high up in the atmosphere. Boy. I thought I had a Euro forecast here. If I went through this whole thing, I'm going to be I'm going to be disappointed with myself if I don't have a Euro forecast. Is that it? No.
1: That would be no. unlike you to leave out the euro. <sighs> Are you kidding me? I
0: did, boy. This is a historic day, Jeff. I don't have the euro here. The if euro we, forecast is If we like, could get
1: like sponsorships by model, Mark would be sponsored <laughs> by the European model.
0: Oh, don't you worry, they're going to upgrade the GFS in 2026. Did you hear about that?
1: I didn't GFS
0: model? Yeah, there's some issue with the uh, computing or something and and there will no more. I think there's no significant upgrade to the GFS for another 2 years. Great. Yeah. Uh, here's another effect. Here's one thing that I think is very likely this year. It seems like this almost always happens in El Nino years, February. Um, we tend to see in many El Nino years, kind of a lot of action in November, December. And then as more of the jet shifts to the South,
1: uh, Mm. into
0: California, later January and February and early March, at least, uh, we tend to go very mild. Most, most Februaries in El Nino years are mild. Almost every single one is, um, and I just, this is 2016. This was 2016, very warm. Uh, it was warmer than a typical March, that February. Looks like I forked,
1: what is that picture? Looks like you know, I that's forked really, in winter. That's really interesting, Mark. Yeah. I know you've mm. showed some graphics lately, like about our previous winters and how things have trended more to like a later winter snow event. Like we right. tend to see. And if, if this were to play out to where we see more mild conditions, February, March, it could really impact snowfall down in the lowlands.
0: Right. I think this is the one winter, a meteorologist, I I don't have plans for this, but this is the one winter I told my believe it or not, I told my wife this. I go, oh, it's an El Nino winter. I think we could probably do a late February vacation and be fine. I'm not going to because for other reasons, but um, I think this is the one year where it's very unlikely we have low snow levels late in the season. We've had a lot of that, but here's a big caveat. In 2018-19, was that the first year? Yes, Jeff, that was when you first started. Remember March 2019? Yes, That was really weird because we had extremely mild winter. I have it listed on another graphic. It said the most boring winter of my career <laughs> that year. That that was a weaker or moderate El Nino. Mm-hmm. And in that one, suddenly we got this northerly flow in mid-February, and that hung around for a month. And we had snow in eastern Oregon, a record cold.
1: We had snow at the coast. An,
0: yeah, that was, a, that was an El Nino winter. That said, it was a week to moderate, so maybe that wouldn't happen this year. I think that was one of the only instances of – a cold spell at the end of an El Nino winter. Hmm. So I wouldn't, if I were a betting man, I wouldn't go for that again. But um, yeah, that's really unusual to see that happen. Oh, let's do snowfall, Jeff, mountain snow. Perfect. Right here. Is this? Ooh, this
1: okay. Everybody that is into skiing and snowboarding, you might want to listen there up a go. little bit closer here.
0: All right. So if we just take government camp snow only, so this is just down at 4,000 feet. The uh, ODOT folks have been recording Snowfall forever there. One thing that sticks out, what do you see, Jeff? What sticks out here? The average versus what we get.
1: Let's see. The average. Man, it seems like things are dropping off a little bit.
0: Yeah, and, and every single El Nino since 19, since I was born. What's oh, that, this is years? only El
1: Nino years. Got it. Okay. Yes, really yes. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, okay, so yeah, me... more often than not, what I'm seeing, Mark, is uh, below the average during El Nino yeah. years.
0: We haven't had a single above average El Nino winter at government camp, snowfall wise, since the 1960s.
1: Okay, that's 60s back there. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's, oh man. And I'm thinking about Ski Bowl because they're right around that elevation.
0: We love Ski Bowl, but it's just more challenging because we tend to get warmer systems when we do get yeah. that. tends to be the problem. Or some of these include, uh, this one was terrible, 2014 15. 67 Ooh. inches. Ooh. Or 2004, there were several years, 2004, 2005. I remember that was just a terrible year. That may have been a year where Ski Bowl was only open for a few weeks. And there were continuing issues up at uh, Meadows and Timberline, too, just very low snowpack. Those are unusual, though. Same with 91, 92. Remember, I said that was that first boring winter, my v- very first year of my career. But most years are, you know, these last three El Ninos, you know, they got a decent amount of snow at some point, even 15, 16, when I said it was uh, very mild in February of 2016. Sometimes they've gotten good snow in November, December, and that carries them through. Because, you know, once the snow is on the ground, unless there's, unless we get several pineapple expresses, it's not going to go anywhere. Exactly. Right? Yep. Okay. So that is uh, government camp. If we add in Mount Hood Meadows, mm. you can see the um, – oh. that's the red. So, And you have two different averages, of course, because at Meadows, the average is in the 400-inch range, a little yeah. over 400 inches for any winter. And then the blue average, uh, ski bowl, uh, government camp and ski bowl – little lower so you see the average what they got each winter with respect to average um at that elevation you can see they do a little better at the higher elevations because i mean once you get two three hundred inches there's enough snow for skiing it may not be the best quality snow that winter but you've got enough to keep ski areas open higher up so higher up is better in these winters
1: elevation is much more important during el nino years probably oh
0: i totally agree totally agree and then here's most important what happens during those those Critical months where everybody wants to ski, December, January, and February. Okay. A little better news. Yes and no. This is the average just during those three months.
1: Boy, there's some the extreme. Last two,
0: yeah. The last two winters uh, were okay. 18, 19. The last, I'm sorry. The last two El Nino winters were right. okay. 2018, 2019, 2019, 20. It was above average, December, January, and February. As I recall, uh, each of those years had like one month. That was really good. Maybe it's petered out after that or before that. Oh, yeah. 1819, uh, that was when February, huge snowfall in the Cascades. But that was unusual in an El Nino year, like we discussed, to have the cold and wet. Um, look at those other years, though. Look how many are low.
1: I know. Like, really low.
0: Yeah. Um, when I show – let me add one more thing. When I showed the total snowfall, this one back here, uh, here, you said we don't see any quite that low. Um, this was spread over the entire season. That includes sometimes in El Nino years, we get cool and wet in March and April. So that that would bump up the snow total. But like I said, the critical snow times right there, December, January, February, there are a lot of really low ones in there. So I'd say the risk is higher than normal for some sort of like low snowfall, you know, during the, during the critical part somewhere in, in December, January and February. I I'm going to
1: leave you with my final thoughts. I'm going to let you wrap it up uh, at the end here, sure. Mark. Um yep. There are a lot of ways to state this, and I'm going to kind of circle back to what you previously said. You were like, okay, Jeff, you're, you're from California. People understand what El Nino is. What do they say when El Nino pops up? And people say, it's going to be a wet winter. It's going to be very rainy. Um, I always responded to folks saying that by saying, but not always. There are years, right. there are outliers. Right on. There, in fact, there have been years, La Nina years, where California can get walloped by rain. So let's flip that. There, more often than not, are winters here in the Pacific Northwest in El Nino phases where we get mild conditions. The soap, snowpack suffers, especially kind of in the lower elevations, but there are outliers as well. And we need to just keep that in mind going into this winter. That I wouldn't have high expectations for a big snowpack or big lowland snow, but mm-hmm. don't be surprised if we get one or two events that are, you know, kind of going against the historical right. trend.
0: I would be shocked if we had numerous low elevation snow events. That doesn't seem likely in a pattern like this.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and, it, and I'm in the, the outlier, the kind of like the, the icing on the cake is what is that offshore, that big heat blob in the Pacific ocean going to do to this Elf- yeah. Niño year? You know, how what does that, that gonna, do? How is that going to affect air temperatures closer to our coastline and things like that?
0: Yeah. Could we get, could this be an El Nino where we get a bunch of ridging a lot during the winter and it's a drought type winter and we would get a lot of inversions and east wind through the gorge that that could happen if that big H is kind of nearby the high pressure, but, um, or is it one of those warm, wet El Ninos and we get a lot of flooding and and mudslides? We will see. We really don't know, but we just, we just know, well, I think we've covered it pretty well, but I think the big picture is we don't know details for the upcoming winter. My gut feeling is it's going to be a mild one in general.
1: Yeah. Can we circle back to that sea surface anomaly one more time? The showing yep. the the big blob of warm water in the Pacific. Oh, I got um, a better one. So one of the main reasons that our coast, like our immediate coastline, has stayed pretty cool is because of upwelling. Would you agree with me, Mark? Yeah, right. And that is partially because of the onshore breeze, <laughs> the wind that comes inland, um, and that tends to you know sweep across our waters locally off the coast. And then the upwelling part, you know, keeps bringing cooler water, essentially. But well, And that's
0: from the, the summertime wind, too,
1: exactly. which relaxes in September. Yeah. And that's what I was going to get at, is when that wind, that onshore wind starts to relax a little bit, do we start to see more of that warm water kind of work its way closer to our coastline, is the question.
0: I think we've seen a little bit of that. I'm going to stop sharing. Oh, no, I'm going to share something different.
1: And I think that can or have I... a big impact on overnight temperatures. We've seen a lot of warmer nights both summertime wintertime partially because of the urban heat island effect but you know sea surface temperatures do play into that as well even out along the immediate coastline some of the nights have been warmer at times you know in Newport. Let me try in one last DC. graphic here okay uh I'll stop tip. rambling for a sec
0: no, no that's okay you just you better keep talking because i can't do two things at once
1: yeah i mean a lot of factors play into our local weather but um el nino is going to have a Probably a big say in what goes on this winter, and historically speaking, we don't tend to see the goods for the weather nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Marks. Oh, working. I can't find it now. Yeah, it takes okay. it
0: takes too long. I can't figure it out. Oh, maybe I can. I'm doing a, you're doing a great job treading water there, Jeff.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, here we
0: go. I think I got it. Got it. Got it.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay. Got cool.
0: It. It'll take a second to come up.
1: Uh, Let me know when you can see it. And by the way, thanks to everybody for sticking with us, just listening, as opposed to seeing the the video portion. Go ahead. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. That's the, uh, is that an anomaly map?
0: Yeah, this is the, uh, the, I'm sorry, this is the actual temperature map, which uh, it's in Celsius. So it's not quite as cold. Uh, Through most of the summer, we saw the purples and the blues, like right up all the way along the coastline. It's just, we're not seeing as much of the cold stuff, basically. I think the upwelling has relaxed quite a bit the last last week or so since we're just not getting a strong Northwest wind, but we've got plus 18 or plus 19 temperatures pretty widespread offshore. What is that? That's like 64, 65, 67 yeah. degrees Fahrenheit. So we would assume, like you said, as that upwelling goes away here in the next few weeks, mostly goes away. I bet you we get the 63, 64, 65 degree temps more commonly along the coastline. I would think. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Interesting stuff. So, uh, hopefully you were able to take something from this discussion because you know, you we can, hope so. <laughs> yeah. We we've seen some outlets put out the, the farmer, farmer's almanac and really make a, a big deal out of it. Um, And bottom line is we don't know how this winter is exactly going to play out. I mean, we can, we can look we at some oscillation ideas. Yeah, yeah. We can look at how history has played out before, you know, and, but we, bottom line is we don't know. We can just give you right. our thoughts. So um, those are some clues. But yeah, enjoy the next five to seven days, five to 10 days. Man, I don't see any big changes coming anytime soon. No big nope. soakers, no extreme heat. We're in the sweet spot, prime time, the Goldilocks zone here in the Pacific. That's right, Conference. Jeff.
0: And you enjoy your week off. I'm going to take control next week. We'll see how that goes. And I think we've got Camilla and maybe Katie coming on next week. So we should, I'll, it'll be me and the ladies, and we should have some good discussion about weather.
1: Yeah, and thanks to everybody that's been circling back and listening. Uh, It sounds like we're gaining some traction, some momentum here with the podcast. Uh, Hopefully, we start to get a little bit more weather that we can report on. But um, yeah, enjoy this great weather. And Mark will be back next week. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll talk to you soon. Please tell us about the weather.